Welcome to Manager Tools. Is this normal? Episode two. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. Is it normal to not know how promotions work? Is it normal that my peer won't collaborate? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Good morning, Wendy. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I was singing karaoke yesterday, and you were at Army Navy, so I'm guessing that both of us sound a bit cro- uh, croaky. Yeah, I, I, I suspect. Thanks for mentioning that. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. And if you follow the Army Navy saga over the last 15 years, uh, you'll know why I'm hoarse, because Army won. Best day ever, right? It was awesome. It was totally awesome, I must tell you. Okay, the people didn't didn't tune in to hear about that. So today we're going to talk about uh, just a continuing saga, is it normal? If you're thinking some things, is it normal to think that way? So lots of folks wonder whether our experience is different enough from others that we should actually do something about it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some things are worth trying to change and there are some that are not. And we're going to try to help make some distinction there. So episode two of Is This Normal? We're going to address two common questions. How promotion systems work or don't work, <laughs> and a non-collaborative peer. And unfortunately, both of those situations are pretty normal. Yeah, it's the kind of thing we get emails that start. So I know you have guidance about this, but I think my, my situation is unique, and they're never unique, or almost never unique. It's actually completely normal for these things to be happening in companies. Right. So so again, we're going to talk about two things to do today. One is the first one, which is normal. I can't figure out how my how promotions work in my company. And number two, which again is normal, my peers won't collaborate with me. Let's talk about how promotions work. And I think this starts off with a lot of people going like, how did that guy, like that guy over there, how did he get promoted, right? I know this other guy did, yeah, because he sucks up a lot, frankly. So clearly she got promoted because they need more women in leadership positions. Yeah, that's right. Those are all thoughts that go through people's head, and we would recommend that they never become statements. They never come out of your mouth because, well, they're wrong. And unfortunately, though, those thoughts are indicative of just the general opacity of the promotion processes and decisions within organizations. And most people are thinking, well, wouldn't it be really much better if it was completely clear, if I knew exactly how to get from post to post, if there wasn't any favoritism or nepotism or any other isms involved? And it would. That would be great. But that's not how it works. And it's not even how it works in places where they do have those systems in place, like in government or local government, often have some very clear criteria. And it's still not how it works because of the human beings that were involved in a process. And I guess the other point I'd like to make is if you don't understand it, we recommend you don't ask. We don't, you know, don't ask your boss about it because generally there isn't a very good answer. And if you were to ask it, like two things are going to happen. First, you're going to get some anodyne and unsatisfying answer. Something like, um, hey, don't be silly, kill your results and be well-liked. Which is another way of saying results from relationships. Exactly, which Mark says all the time. If you're a managed tools listener, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that. And frankly, if your boss said that, although it's not a very useful answer, at least they realize there are two important things, get results and have relationships with people. But the really kind of bad thing I think that would happen is you'd be docked by your boss for asking a silly question, right? Whose answer, mm-hmm. however bland, 
ought to be obvious. And secondly, your question implies something, uh, implies that it would never be anything other than that, when in fact, of course, it is. So and that's generally why um, asking about it is not a great technique. Yeah. And there's a good example that confuses professionals everywhere, like interviewing for promotions. And typically it only happens for supervisory roles and managers and maybe senior manager roles. After that, people that have been around for a while, everybody knows how good they are. Everybody knows what what their next jump is, where they're going next. And so they don't need to have an interview. And if they do, they understand the process. Is that opaque? And it's not really to be understood. And so they just go do the interview. (laughs) Most people, when they see the interview process, they think, Oh, now that's good. Like anybody can apply. It's transparent. I know what the job description is. So it's a job I want. I'll go apply. And then they also think, you know, well, you know, interviews aren't a good way to judge how well I do my job. There's the interview, which is the clear and transparent part. And then there's the opaque part, which is how well are you doing your job? How well liked are you? And those two things added together are what make the interview process in, in a whole. I think a lot of people, um, Mark likes to say it's, you know, it's a bit like having to pass a tennis exam to be allowed to play football in the NFL. I mean, that kind of makes no sense, but that only misses the point, right? Unless the promotion or the offer requires a notable increase in the communication skills, the interview is only window dressing on the decision usually, right? The the -hmm. presumption becomes mistakenly that the interview is the process. But the process is almost never the interview. The interview is only the outside appearance of the process. Usually the process is whatever or whomever is in the mind of the decision maker. They're making something and this, the interview is somewhat, I hate to say it, in a lot of cases, not all cases, window dressing on the process. Mm-hmm. Decision has already been made. That's right. Now, I, I said not always, right? I mean, there are exceptions. Thank God, right? In, in large, very large organization, where there's an internally fluid talent market that they're trying to nurture. An interview can be the crucial datum in the process. But again, this is usually in lower level positions. That's right. In another way, in virtually all companies, except like the very best managed ones, even if an interview is involved, the person who gets promoted is the one who produced the best results that are known by the decision maker. In other words, the decision maker knows about you and that's how you get the interview and that's how you get the job. Yeah, I wanna put special emphasis on what you just said because I think that's really smart. It's not only the people who get results, right? Getting results is part of it, but it's getting results and those results being known well by decision makers. And people often forget about that, particularly some of the more reserved, if you if you know DISC, high, high Cs, high Ss, it's not enough to achieve good results. You have to achieve a good results and they have to be known about by decision makers. Your boss, your boss's boss, your boss's boss's boss, etc. That being the relationships part of results and relationships. Yeah, that sounds right? familiar. That sounds familiar. And in most cases, it is the manager of the position that you want who is the decision maker, nearly always. Sometimes it's that manager's manager who has an input if the manager is fairly new, but nearly always it's the manager of the position. So if you know that you want a position in a certain team, 
that tells you you need to start getting a relationship with the manager of that team so that they know about your results. Right. And, and don't confuse decision makers with folks who are organizations that have input. I mean, there are others that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, another piece of the process that have input. HR has process, has input very often. Um, interviews, uh, baseball cards, which we've talked about before, et cetera. But deference to the manager is paramount in these cases. Yeah, I've sat in interviews with managers and said, I don't think you should hire that person for these reasons. And they've said, no, I want to hire them. I said, okay, as long as you've heard the risks from me, if you still want to go ahead and hire them, you can see something that I don't, then you know the position best, you're going to manage them. It's down to you. Like I never had final say. Yeah, and you shouldn't have, right? In that particular role you were in. If we can't really ever know what the process is or what the rules are, is there anything at all we can do about this? <laughs> yeah. Punt. Go home. Come on, monk. It's, it's it's like all of this stuff is connected, as Mark says sometimes. Well, start with results. If you're not getting results, there's no point in publicizing them, and nobody is going to hire you. The whole point of having people on your team is that they get results, and therefore your team gets better, or the company gets better, or something gets done. And every time there's a promotion process, the results come first. It's not the relationships that come first. It's not that um, there's this favoritism or this nepotism or, you know, oh, that guy, he's been sucking up and therefore he got the job. If he has been sucking up but he doesn't have results, he won't get the job, even if sucking up is part of it. So you don't want to really think so much about the, the process and the promotion process that you forget to to get your results. Always get your results first. That's right. There's no secret. There's nothing we can tell you that is going to reliably get you a promotion if you don't start with results. Um, Now, it's possible. We've all seen it. People get promotions without results, unfortunately, and it's upsetting. I mean, those things happen, but that's not a method, right? That's just, that's it's probably it's just a probability there's a two percent chance that anything could happen there's you know there's a there's a possibility that the world could end tomorrow it probably won't but it could Mm -hmm. and somebody without results and even somebody with poor results could and does occasionally get promoted but don't focus all your attention there it's not not a very healthy place to spend your time So we're getting results. And then the second part is develop relationships with the people involved in the promotion decision. So don't don't go around asking people and talking, you know, go up to any random person within your organization structure and say, hey, I want a job in Bill's organization. Who makes the decisions over there? You've got to find it out without making it obvious. And then you've got to develop relationships in Bill's area and if you're too far apart what you need to do is find people so that you can stepping stone over there so a bit like six degrees of separation if Bill is um, Kevin Bacon then you've got to find the people in between and develop the relationship with them but don't say I'm doing this because I want a job in Bill's area I'll develop the relationship for with them because you can help them and they can help you yeah it's not a one-sided relationship. There's no such thing, right? And if you take that approach, you're absolutely going to be found out and it will work to your detriment, right? It won't help you mm-hmm. at all. Now, early on in my career, many, many years ago, uh, I worked for a, a gentleman uh, named Larry Langston and Larry was a great boss. And one of the things that Larry, he's very good at a lot of things. He was particularly good at 
relationships. Um, and at that point in my life, I had had my experiences um, in my previous company where my boss told me like, you're smart and you get a lot of things done. You're very effective. And until you solve this relationship problem, <laughs> you're you're going nowhere, right? So I, I had that boss who, you know, essentially hit me over the head with a two by four to get it through my thick skull. Um, and so in this new company, I decided that I was going to do things differently. So I was going to focus on relationships. Although I wasn't particularly great at it, I was going to focus on it and get better. And Larry was very good at it and helped me to get better at it. But he's also a great boss in the sense that he actively helped promote me in, in terms of um, helping me with relationships with his peers and people in the business, et cetera. And if you're lucky and you have a boss like that, man, thank your stars because it doesn't happen very often when it does. It can be very, very special. So thank you, Larry, for, for doing that. So my point there is if you have a boss that's like that, great. If not, you might want to consider finding a boss like that. Who you work for has a tremendous, tremendous impact on your career. I'm evidence of that. If you don't have a great relationship with your boss, ask your boss for chances to present to them, right? Or jump at the chance to work on a project. via Volunteer for things, right? Volunteer. Because you know nobody else wants to do presentations. And so you will, but the answer will always be yes. Exactly. So if you if there's somebody, say your, your boss, you're in, in, a, in a staff meeting and she asked, to say, hey, does anybody want to present to um, my peers next week? I'm going to be out of the office. We have to present our monthly results. Anybody want to do that? You should be the first one. Your hand should be the first one up. How are you going to have a relationship with folks if you don't have a chance to communicate with them? And there's a perfect opportunity. Is there risk? Yeah, of course there's risk. Um, but, you know, you got to take risk if you want to get the reward. So find opportunities. Go to meetings early if you can. For example, if you're you're going with your meeting to uh, a meeting with your boss, with your peers, go early and Actually, be there early, and as people walk in the door, stick out your hand, say hello, introduce yourself. Any one of those interactions is not going to do a whole lot, but a bunch of those interactions equal relationships. <laughs> and the next time that person thinks about, oh, I've got to fill a gap, who are we going to move? And then you come to mind because they know you, and then they go to your boss and say, hey, does this person get really, get results? And your boss says yes, and then that's that you become the mysterious person who gets a promotion and nobody understands how, and you did it all through results and relationships. Right, which you talked about before. So I guess the whole point is don't focus on the process that's, that's unknowable, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, focus on the things that are going to get you results and build relationships and you'll do fine. You do those two things, you're going to get promoted. Okay. So let's talk about this, this other normal thing that happens in organizations that people wonder is normal and folks, it is normal. And that's your peers won't collaborate with you. I've had lots of these, but partly my own fault. I think when I was less experienced, I didn't know what I was doing and thought results were the only thing in the world. But it is normal that some of your peers won't be effective team players or collaborators. I was one because I always wanted to do it myself. And if you are one of the people that are thinking, it shouldn't be that way. It should be that everybody's helping each other and we're in a team and why aren't they bonding with me and why don't people help me? Puppies and rainbows and yeah. Yeah. And we live in a real world where there are high Ds who just think about relationships and want to do everything themselves because they think that it's high quality. 
just to be clear for those who don't, high Ds don't think about relationships a whole lot. All they think about is results, getting things done. Yeah. Well, high Cs that want to do it themselves because they think they're the only people that can reach the quality standard, which is true. They usually do work to a higher standard. And they don't want to collaborate either. And then there's other people that have, you know, politics and all sorts of other things in their head that mean that they don't want to collaborate. And so just because it should be so, it isn't so. And for lots of good reasons, actually. That's right. And to be clear, your boss expects you to get along with your peers, right? And your boss expects your peers to get along with you. That's it's not generally a case where your boss is not um, desirous of folks getting along. Because every time they you start not getting along, they have to deal with the problem. And they've got 99 problems and they don't want another one. That's right. And so they, so they want you all to get along. But your boss probably doesn't want to you know, adjudicate fights between you and your peers. Yeah, they want you to get along with your peers, but they don't necessarily want you to be the one that keeps, frankly, whining to them about, you know, Joe doesn't help me on my projects. Oh, oh. Could you do something about that, boss? Of course, nobody <laughs> listening to this would ever say it that way, but um, it doesn't matter how you say it. That's that's how your boss hears it when you complain about it. You don't have to be whining either. The One of the turning points in my career was I was in a meeting like 40 miles away from where my boss was, and uh, the person I was discussing, I was having a meeting with, his boss called my boss and said, I think he's going to hit her. What shall I do? And my boss said, tell her to get here in the next 20 minutes. And it took 10 minutes to get out of the parking lot. So I knew she was mad. So I wasn't whining. I was just causing a disruption in another meeting. But I thought I was having a perfectly logical, intellectual argument about whether or not these numbers were right. And it turned out I was about to start to fight. Yeah, good job. But that helped. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Why are you here? I don't understand. Uh, because, because... Because we all make mistakes and we learn from them? Oh. <laughs> yeah, the dressing down she gave me made a difference to, to what I did next. A huge difference. Yeah. I shared earlier about being hit over the head with a two-by-four by my boss. So the fact is some of your peers are going to feel absolutely no obligation whatsoever to have a good relationship with you, knowing that there's a low probability of consequences for not doing so. And you can't go to your boss and complain. So there's reality. Um, it's entirely possible that your peer doesn't know that there are two reasons to fire someone, failure to get results and the failure to be an effective team member. But you know that. So you have to do your best to work well with, with someone who doesn't seem to have any incentive to work well with you. That's life. So what do we do now that we painted a pretty bleak picture of organizational life? Well, my manager, when I went back to her and got this dressing down, what she told me was that because I'd been arguing so much, she was going to do what the other people wanted to do, which I didn't think was right. And I was so mad. And I was 23 or something. I was so mad. And I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I want to make sure I always get my own way. And I think I have to do that by being nice to people. And so what I started doing was, was making an effort to meet people in the middle, to listen to their point of view and then and then make my answer fit their point of view. And I started out by doing it as a manipulation and it ended up, it was so successful and I felt better about the relationships. Yeah, you went about creating a trusting relationship. Exactly. Right, by giving. I was concerned where you were going with when you said, like, I was going to go create these relationships with, for the sole purpose of getting everything I always wanted. 
But you're right. You then the only way to get what you want is to get part of what you want. It's called a negotiation. It's called a relationship. And I feel a pull to go off into the political realm. I'm not going to do that. All I'm going to say is that if you want to get what you want, then give somebody you know part of what they want. So it's it's the whole kind of like maybe being more in the middle. But anyways, we'll, I'll I'll avoid the whole political thing. So. <laughs> You modify your behavior. You go create relationships with folks. And folks, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, even if you haven't, we have a great number of podcasts around the DISC behavioral model, DISC, D-I-S-C. Go check it out. It's a way of understanding people's tendencies and behaviors. And it's not to be manipulative. It's to understand how other people see the world and how you see the world, the differences between the two, and help you modify your behavior to be more effective with people, to communicate more effective with people, to have better relationships with people. And it, it is an incredible tool. If you haven't taken advantage of it, I'd recommend you do so. It can make, and it did for me, a significant difference in your ability to create relationships. So go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com and uh, search on disk. Pretty cool. So without going into hours of stuff you can do to build relationships, and again, it's terribly powerful, but there's some simple things you can do, right? You can spend more time with them, right? That helps. Mm -hmm. If you think about who you're, who you have a great, the best relationship with. It's the people you spend most time right. with. There's generally a correlation of, uh, you know, between how you feel about the relationship and the amount of time you spend with them. So spend more time with them, help them with their deliverables. And I wouldn't go in expecting it, but in general, there's reciprocity in, involved in relationships. And if you do somebody a favor, they're going to owe you one in return. Mm -hmm. Ask for a peer one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's on a project with you, for example. Even if you're absolutely certain they're going to de decline the, uh, the request, um, might be surprised. Keep track of the deliverables folks owe you. At first, verbally, at the deadline, and... And if you haven't received it, then, then follow up with, with email or something, right? Yeah. If you ask in the way of, um, is there anything I can do to help you? Like, I need this data for my boss. And I know it's hard for you to get, but is there something I can do to make it easier for you to give that to me? Is amazingly effective. And you're giving because you're offering to do something, but they'll give you back in return. That was something else I learned when I started to try to be nice to people. And if you need something from someone, going to them, like not just sending an email, but getting up and going to their desk or getting up or happening to go to their office and just actually walking down and standing by them and taking them for a coffee makes a huge difference on whether or not you get these boring spreadsheets from them or not. You know, one of, um, I was going to say this is one of my favorite techniques. I don't think of it as technique, but in any case, one thing that my boss taught me is it's amazing in large organizations how many enemies or non-friendlies i don't I know enemies probably a little bit too strong um people develop as a result of email which is just terrible in terms of getting the nuances of communications but it happens right i you know i'm on the west i'm on the east coast and somebody i'm working with a peer of mine in a different organization is um on the west coast and so we have this kind of testy relationship over over email just never seems to go quite the way I'd like it to be. I'm, I misinterpret her actions. She misinterprets my actions. And so next time I'm on the West coast at the, you know, suggestion of my boss, I go out and meet her. We sit down, we have coffee, we 
coffee. We talk about the projects. She looks me in the eye, I look her in the eye. We now have a relationship. And guess what? The next email, it's a friendly email. She's gotten to know me because, oh, Mike's not all that bad. I mean, he's a jerk on email, but in person, he's really, he's really all not that bad. And so she gives me the benefit of the doubt. And I give her the benefit of the doubt. And pretty soon we have a relationship. And literally took me a half an hour, you know, the last time I was traveling to have a conversation with her. So if you have poor relationships with folks and you've never met them, go and meet them. Again, if you just think about, okay, what can I do to create a relationship with this person? You'll come up with a thousand different ways. We don't have to list them all out here, but the key is think about the relationship. Think of the importance of not just results, but relationships. Okay, off my soapbox, sorry. (laughs) It's kind of anti or unintuitive, right? If you're having a testy relationship with someone, your instinct is to draw back, draw, and so send shorter emails, which sound even more testy. But you have to go towards them, and that's what solves that problem, even though it doesn't feel intuitive. So I'm sure there's lots of people listening to us going, I'm not going to do that. That person down the road, I'm never going to have a good relationship. Try it. Try it with one person for half an hour, and we promise it'll work. That's right. And look, at it. we're not, you know, the world, again, it's not all puppies and rainbows and organizations. And there are, there are people who you will never have a relationship with. Um, and unfortunately, the higher you get up in an organization, the more and more that your results are going to be dependent upon other people. 90% of them you can have a great relationship with is great. And you should try in every single possible way you can to have great relationships. And in some cases you won't, and you're still, you're still required to get results and you're still going to be dependent on other people. So things I'm going to suggest here sound kind of negative, but I don't mean it that way, really. Um, So for example, some things you can do is you can create a shadow one-on-one form as a repository of your notes regarding work products you need from him or her, you know, on the other side of the organization or stuff you need input on. So if you're having a conversation with somebody, write it down just as if you're going to cover it in a one-on-one. Even if you're not going to have that one-on-one, write it down so you have a record of your conversation. So you can go back over time and see how the conversation went, agreements that were made, promises made, et cetera. Print the emails you, you get from folks, you know, the replies you get and the ones you sent and put them in a folder. You know, track all this communications, put it in a folder, have it all in one place, and the whole point here is organize yourself in such a manner that when it's necessary, when you get to the point where your boss asks for documentation about what's happened because you haven't made progress, you haven't developed a relationship, and results are suffering, right? And that point, it's appropriate for a boss to ask what's going on. Have your stuff together so when you get there, you can pull it together very, very quickly and easily. If you start doing that, though, I think you won't get to that point because if you start bringing together all the stuff that you owe one person or one person owes you and therefore you start to have, even if it's a phone call or an email um, and you send a list of questions and they send a list back, you start to be more effective and you're not kind of picking at them by phoning them you know, or emailing them a couple of times a day about trivial things. You're putting it all together in one email or you've got it all together uh, when you talk to them and because you start being more effective, both of you start to feel happier about the relationship. And it's possible that you may have documentation for your boss when there's when it comes and it blows up and there's an issue, but it's much less likely you'll get to that point. And it all comes from organization. And lastly, folks, again, I, I said it earlier, 
Don't be a whiner. Don't complain to anyone. Nobody likes a whiner. Your boss doesn't like a whiner. Other people in your organization don't like a whiner. Yeah, maybe you'll get credit for having called somebody out, but also in the back of their mind, they're going to think you're a whiner. Nobody likes that. I mean, what good is it going to do you to tip your hand to the person you're having the issue with, to the offender, if you will? Um, It's just going to put them on notice. And, you know, getting called into your boss's office and told, hey, you need to work well with, with Mike. Nobody's going to do it. And they're, what are they going to tell the boss? Yeah, this, oh, I'm sorry, boss. Yeah, I'll, I'll work with it. And then they'll find other ways to stab you in the back. It's just, it's just not a good start. I, I don't, you know, it, it happens. But, you know, most often, uh, if it gets to that point, the relationship doesn't uh, tend to get any better. So, folks, summary. Unfortunately, promotion systems are opaque. And frankly, you're just going to have to outperform and be as political as you dare. Peers don't have to collaborate, and they often don't. So build the best relationships you can with both peers and your boss and deliver ironclad results time and time again. It's funny how results and relationships bubble to the top so often and folks get promoted that should get promoted. Kind of makes you think. All right, folks. Thank you all, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Have a great one. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're a Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manager Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did.